0: Moses and the CIA. Ken, tonight we're gonna to be talking about the importance of creating rituals. Are That's you ready? a brilliant idea, Dan. I wonder who came <laughs> Why up. Why didn't with I it? think of that? Why <laughs> didn't I think of that? You keep thinking of these amazing ideas, Ken. It's true. What? Let's do this. What is this all about? Get us started. Yeah. What is this? All right. All right. Ritual and the importance of
1: it's particularly in a time when so many of our rituals and our daily routines have been shattered. Uh, We've got a lot of remote work happening. We've got remote learning happening. We've got remote worship happening. We've got remote cocktail hour happening and our life is lacking rituals. Our life is lacking distinctions in time and space. So there's a couple things I wanted to introduce. First is this whole notion of time and space being contaminated because things just kind of blend in. You you might have a, a, a place where you do your work, which is also where the kids are doing their homework, which is also a place where you're relaxing after work and everything just blends in one to another. And so it is important, and we've talked about it before, it is important to try to distinguish that, to give yourself some space, to give yourself a break so your mind can actually come to rest at the end of each activity that you do and give yourself a fresh start for whatever the next activity is. But I want to take it a step further and talk about rituals that are just important and meaningful in life, whether you have them or you want to create them. So a, a simple example is, that my husband and I, for the past 26 years, like literally since we've been together, have been getting up early every morning and having a cup of coffee together. We spend 20 minutes with each other, no matter how busy we are, no matter how much is going on during the day, that is sacrosanct. Nothing gets in the, in the way of that. And it's 20 minutes for us to just talk, just be with each other. We don't allow devices. We have some music playing in the background. There's no TV on. It's just us. And it's a great ritual. And so what I wanted to talk about tonight was the importance of having these things that we can count on, whether they're daily or weekly, but something or some things, even better, that you can count on so that when everything feels like quicksand under your feet, you
0: know you've got something to anchor you. So as you say that, it reminds me of something I know we both relate to really well, which is religion. Even the word ritual reminds me of religion. And so um some of the rituals I think we both are into is we're both Christians and uh we both attend a church service. Uh I'm a Catholic so we call it mass um and so that's usually every Sunday. Now something my parents who are very uh devout Catholics do is they go to mass every single day. And so just as some people have a ritual of a morning routine or maybe uh, meditation, their ritual is to dedicate the day to God, to Jesus, and they go to mass every single morning. And so um, that word, that's what rings true to me. It's the word ritual. Uh, It could be also seen as like the synonym for habit, right? Or routine. But when I hear ritual specifically, I think of something usually with the connotation that attaches to religion. So it very well may be. And that is certainly a big
1: part of my life. And though I miss like in-person worship, one of the interesting things um, has, been able, has been to be able to like sample worship from around the world, literally. Um, I was tuning into a friend's parish in New Zealand on Saturday night uh, because Saturday night is Sunday morning. So I had an opportunity to like be there for that. And That was fantastic. And I want people to really understand too that ritual can exist at any level, secular, spiritual. It just it doesn't matter in some ways because ritual to me are things that fix us in time. And so, like celebrating birthdays every year. And I think this has been one of the creative things to have watched during this past year, particularly in our neighborhood. We have a lot of young families with kids and to see drive-by birthday parties where people come by with signs and they've got you know cake to go and things like that, creating new rituals in a way to mark that special passage of time, to mark someone's birthday. Um, We experienced this a week ago. My dad celebrated 95 years. Because of the pandemic, we couldn't be there in person with him. But we all got on Facebook portal with the grandkids and we had this amazing opportunity to sing happy birthday. He had a cake there. Um, and we had a chance to like celebrate with him that way in person would be better But we created a ritual we sent him cards Opened those up We still had those common things that were going on and dan. I think it's that commonality I think it's that that count on ability even for things that only occur once a
0: year That really ground us as human beings as you're saying that tonight today is my son's 14th birthday And um, he was actually asking me, and I see a lot of myself in him, um, he's saying, he's almost like questioning, isn't it interesting that we celebrate the day somebody's born? And I often ask those kind of questions about holidays, right? Um, Because what I've always said is, yes, we want to celebrate the day you're born. But what I don't view as so important is that it has to be you celebrate on the day they're born, meaning like he had a little get together with some of his friends on Saturday, which was two days ago. Um, It's just more convenient than trying to do something on a Monday is today when we're recording this. Um, But no, I think there is an importance in, it's almost like the reminder. It's the reminder of something significant that happened. And obviously like we we could have discussions all day about like we're really celebrating that you're born. I mean, that's a natural course of life, right? You have to start somewhere. So you start when you're born. Um, but no, it's interesting. I, I often I'll say, um, my wife is a huge decorator. You can probably see behind me and some of these decorations back in that other room, a lot of stuff is going on. And if you went around her house, you'd see it. I sometimes think like, ah, eh, what's the big deal. But I love that she loves to like celebrate, for example, Christmas coming up and put all this together. So, I'm curious if you could try to not sell me, but influence me on the importance of it. Because oftentimes, I often go, hey, what's the big deal? But then how do you feel once it is up? How do you feel once it's there? I enjoy it, but here, here's what I enjoy more. I enjoy it because of the enjoyment that specifically my wife and my children get from it, right? Like they love that when the tree is up and the ornaments are on and these things are decorated, like, isn't it awesome? Doesn't it look great? So it's more that I enjoy it through their enjoyment than for me, like if I was a single person living in a condo, I might go, yeah, I'll put up a little tree. You know what I mean? But I but I would almost go, eh, not worth it to me. So it's almost worth it because of them and less worth it because of, that I see the importance of it. So
1: I think that's the answer in and of itself, right? Like if the enjoyment that you derive is seeing it through their eyes, you know, uh, people often talk about like the joy they get. And Disneyland's a classic example. So many people have been there when they were kids, those first images that you have of seeing these characters in real life for the first time. And then as you, you grow, you don't see that anymore. And I remember the first time we went with my niece and nephew and they saw those characters I was filled with awe and wonder just at their reaction. So I'd say that 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 ritual, whether or not it's particularly meaningful for you, if it brings you enjoyment and meaning because you're seeing it through the eyes of your
0: kids and your wife, that there's value in that as well. I consider myself a very optimistic person and I consider myself a person who um, Enjoys routine. Like, I love the certainty or the dependability of doing things that are routine. Um, At the same time, I question more. I sometimes go, But why? Like, did I just adopt something because it was put there without consent? Meaning, like, Well, that's just what my parents did. That's just what. The people in my neighborhood do, or whatever, right? Like the groups, like that's what they do. So I just started doing it because that's the ritual that I was just kind of like brought up doing, or told like that's what people do. I'll give you one example that I questioned, and then I said, you know, I'm going to stop doing that. It's a silly one, but um, so when I moved into this house that I'm in now, it was 15 years ago, coming on 16 years, and um, of course, this is a single family home. I got a grill, and um. I would, I look back and I was only grilling when people came over, right? Like we'd have people over in the nice weather and uh, we would grill out. And I thought to myself, I always was like, you want to like run the grill? Cause I realized that like, I was only grilling because that's what my dad did. And that's what my brothers did. And that's what like the people did. But I'm like, I don't really like grilling. Like I like eating the effects of what somebody cooked, but I don't like the act of like Using the grill. So maybe it's the rebellion side of me, but I was like, I am going to sell my grill. So, whatever number of years ago, I sold my grill because I'm like, I'm not going to do that just because that's the ritual that you're supposed to do as a homeowner is to grill out. So, I enjoy going to other people's homes when they grill out and enjoying their stuff. But I'm like, no, that's not a ritual that I'm going to adopt just because it was put there uh, as part of what I was brought up with. So this is why we work
1: well together. I love grilling, and you're welcome to come over and eat what I grill anytime. So that's one. Second thing is the concept of story, and the third thing is the concept of community. So ritual, particularly in the context of church, but uh, any religion, is really just the telling of a story, like over and over and over again. Um, for for our listeners who happen to be Christian, we we just started the beginning of the church year. Advent is the the, the season, four weeks that precede Christmas, season of preparation. And that first Sunday is literally the first Sunday of the church here. We start all over telling the story again for like 2,000 years. We're just going to keep telling that story. And it runs over and over and over again. And that's ritualistic. In the midst of that, though, there's a community that shares that story. And so we feel united with that community in the sharing of that common story. And that's where I think there's impact. I have another little ritual, like late afternoon, about four o'clock, no matter what I'm doing, I'll take a break and make myself a little espresso. It just feels like ridiculously indulgent and luxurious and fancy. Um, It's not, but it feels that way. It's 10 minutes and I'll I'll move out of the office and never bring it back in here and i go sit out in the living room or out in the backyard um pet the dog whatever i'll sip on my espresso i don't turn tv on and i just enjoy it and i just try to be present to like this is for me a very tasty thing and a really nice treat and a nice little luxury towards the end of the day to give myself a little a little go and and that's a daily little ritual as well just like the morning coffee with my husband this one's just for me but uh, i'll say that as rituals go I find more meaning in the ones that I share with other people. I find more meaning in rituals where that story, that event, that repetition is happening with other people involved.
0: So it sounds like the theme here is that rituals are about the representation or the meaning that they either remind us of or provide for us than it is the thing in and of itself with with I'm sure we could come up with many exceptions, right? Like I could think of the ritual of brushing your teeth is not just a representation of like clean teeth. It's literally cleaning your teeth, right? So, um, but many of these things, it's like you said, it's not the espresso that's so fancy, right? The espresso might be a couple bucks, but it's this, it reminds you, or maybe it gives you that feeling of being somewhere else. Like maybe it's Italy or somewhere else, right? And it's like, you're in a nice cafe and you'd be sitting outside on a nice day and it's like the representation of that, like, ah, oh, this luxury, even though it doesn't cost a lot, literally, right? And you have it at home and it becomes a routine and not luxury, but it represents that like feeling of like, ah, oh, like enjoyment, luxury. So yes, I'd like literally 70
1: cents a capsule for Nespresso. So easy and very inexpensive and yeah it's reminiscent of like sitting cafe side in Paris or you know some other European city that we've been to and that really holds a special place in our heart. It's interesting about the about the uh, brushing your teeth too because that kind of self-care ritual is stuff that we often just pass off as like ah I just got to do this and get through it and I have friends who talk about this from the perspective of self-care. It's like, no, I'm cleaning my teeth so I don't get cavities because I care about myself and I want to take care of my health and this is part of it, right? And it's like in the morning, sometimes it's like, I have to shave again. And then I stop and go, no, I like when I shave, I look nice, I look presentable. This is kind of a neat little ritual for me. It makes me feel fresh to begin the day. Um, So I think even at that level of just what seems so basic, Morning prep. We can turn that into something being about self care. And your point about the representation. So, man, that is so important because I think, Dan, it taps into us at so many different levels. It takes us through sense memory stuff, you know, smells, sights, all of those things can transport us to another place in time. Um, But it also unites us with other people who are experiencing that same ritual. And obviously, like, you know, you're at a huge wedding or something like that. I mean, that's super ritualistic, you know, the ceremony, the reception, all the, the things that have developed over time. And you're there one with another as a community celebrating something. Is it the act of, you know, the party itself? Is it the act of the ceremony itself? Or is it really the, the representation that two people have decided to commit their lives to one another in love? Right, that's the thing. What underlies that ritual? What, what are the? There's a great phrase um, that that rituals are outward and visible signs of inward and spiritual graces. And though it has religious connotations, it can apply to a secular um, setting as well. That's the stuff underneath. Ritual just expresses it in a way that people can see
0: and experience. You literally took the words out of my mouth. That was something I learned in my good Catholic school upbringing, an outward sign of an inward grace instituted by Christ to make us holy. Um, no, I was literally thinking those exact words that a lot of times we're doing something that it's a ritual. So it outwardly, like the community can see us you know, pouring holy water or dunking somebody in holy water, right, as a baptism. But um, what we believe, at least through faith, is that you know, the Holy Spirit comes upon them or washes them clean of certain sins and things like that. It makes them clean in the church. So it's like an outward sign. This ritual is so the community knows of something that's happening that we believe is happening inwardly, right? Or spiritually. So a lot of these things, um, what comes to mind really for me is that it's, I mean, because you use the word habit for a second, but it's like if you look at anybody, if you spend enough time with them, you could. Predict their habits, right? Or you could predict their rituals. In this case, we're using that word. It's like, I could go, I know exactly what you do. Even going back to brushing their teeth, you see someone with great teeth, they're like, I bet the person is good at oral hygiene. I can predict that you floss and you brush regularly, right? Like someone has really clear skin, be like, I bet they have a good skin routine or nice hair or whatever, right? Like you could just look at the outward sign and that represents not an inward thing, but like the ritualistic or the habitual thing that they do. Um, you know what I mean? All the time. And it's like, and you could look at other, uh, attributes of them, characteristics have, you know what I mean? Like the way they represent or present themselves and go, I bet I could tell you what kind of family they came up from, or I could predict what kind of job that person has, because so much of like the outward representation of us is a, is really going back to the rituals or habits that we do most often that lead to this now representation of what we have on the outside.
1: You think about, as as you were talking about that, I thought about kids' birthday parties too. And like every year, like one more candle on the cake, every year marking the passage of time, every year that that little kid becomes more and more aware of like, I'm seven, I'm eight, I'm nine, I'm 10, right? Like there's nothing about the cake that's moving that kid through time. Their own growth and development is moving. It's the passage of time itself that's doing that. They're aging. But that cake is simply a representation, a reminder of the fact that another year has passed and they're a year older and they've grown more. And and that's why I think this stuff really matters. And that's why I think at any time when stuff feels unstable, the best thing that we can do for ourselves is create even the seemingly smallest of ritual. Uh, a, A little cup of coffee, a little espresso once a day, where you just take a break. Or maybe it is as simple as getting up and, you know what, at, at noon every day, I'm just going to take five minutes, step outside, take some deep breaths, whatever it happens to be. But I would, I would, again, just share that for me, the most meaningful rituals are the ones that I share with somebody else because then the story becomes common. And by, by common, I mean community becomes shared. And I think when we start focusing on that, Um, then we have an opportunity to build and grow and actually to build and grow each other.
0: And the key to all of this is that a ritual has to start with doing something for the first time because it doesn't become a ritual until you've done it once and then you do it again, right? And so um, to celebrate my now 14-year-old son again is we decided now I'd say 112 days ago or so that we uh, were going to do a daily workout together. And so um, we do it together, actually right here in this office, and we write on the whiteboard over here that you can't see, we write the number up. So we, wrote, we started with one, and when we got to 100 days in a row, I took them out as a celebratory dinner, right? So that was the ritual to celebrate this thing that was now represented in past time, but as we wrote the number up from one to two to 100, it, we could remember back this daily ritual of working out together together. And encouraging him to develop a new habit, right? So um, it, it's I'm coming around to your idea of the importance of ritual, which is it's amazing to think that it's so easy to forget about or not give any sort of um, credit or like importance to things because it just goes by and then you moved on to the next thing. But just the simple act of writing that number is just like adding that that little uh, extra candle to the birthday cake, right? I was even thinking about, you know, my children and how we measure them on the wall and how I just looked at my son to see that he had grown an inch and a quarter since the last time we measured him, which was a couple months ago. And just that, you know, writing it up on the wall and we put a little date next to it to be able to like mark off growth in time. Right. I think those things are amazing. So if I have any advice and I'm curious if what your advice is to our listening audience would be, it's always the same for me. It's start with one. One is better than zero. If you don't have any rituals right now, you know how you start it? By doing something for the first time.
1: The only thing I'd add to that, keep it simple. One thing, keep it simple. You know you can accomplish it that way. Don't complicate this. Don't make it bigger than it needs to be because that's the easiest time for you to give yourself an excuse and quit. So pick one thing and start, keep it simple, and let us know how it goes.
0: And happy birthday to Ken's father a couple weeks ago. And happy birthday to my son. Thank you for listening. To learn more, check out mosesinthecia.com. To learn more about Ken Mosesian, check out mosesian.com. To learn more about Dan Crumb, check out dancrum.com.